My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and for our last show of 2022, we have a real treat for you. We'll be speaking with country music singer Annie Vander about her journey with CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, and how this disease is what actually kick-started her new life as a country music star. Annie had a previous career working with animals, first as a vet tech, and then with her own pet care business. But that all ended in 2019 when she suffered a horrible accident and shattered her wrist, after which she developed CRPS. For those who aren't familiar, CRPS is basically when you have an injury and it heals, but the pain doesn't go away or sometimes even gets worse over time. Doctors don't really understand too much about it. And in fact, a lot of doctors actually refuse to even acknowledge its existence, even though there are many well-documented cases and research done about this disease. I've heard it referred to as several different names, uh, chronic regional pain syndrome, complex regional pain syndrome, or even CRPD, complex regional pain disorder. Annie was actually diagnosed very early in her journey, which is very unusual, and her doctors told her she was stuck in a pain loop, and she was terrified at first. She had no idea if she'd ever be able to break out of this pain cycle. But I'm happy to say that Annie is actually in remission from this disease, and this is the third time we've covered CRPS on the podcast, and the first person I've talked to who was actually in remission, so I was fascinated to talk to Annie about what she did. And as she'll tell us, she's not 100% sure what it was that worked for her, uh, but she'll tell us all about, you know, all the steps that she took along her journey to try to seek remission. And that involved finding a therapist very early who understood CRPS and acknowledged it uh, as a real thing, because that can be really hard to find, unfortunately, and had her practice something called mirror therapy. I think we've all probably had the experience growing up where you have a mirror where it makes it look like, you know, one half of your body is the other half of your body. I remember being a kid and going to like the science center and seeing a mirror like that set up where I could kind of make it look like I was floating in the air by having my, my standing leg hidden behind the mirror and, you know, holding my other leg up in the air. So it looked like both of my legs were up in the air. So uh, that's sort of, you know, the setup that you need for mirror therapy. And what Annie would do is uh, use this mirror to see her healthy right hand in the place of her injured left hand. And the idea behind this is to build new neural pathways to break out of this pain cycle that your brain can get locked in with CRPS. In essence, this is an, another form of brain retraining, which is what we talked about last week on the podcast, this idea that because of the neuroplasticity of the brain, you can actually build new pathways consciously to seek a desired effect. Annie says she's not sure if this worked or not. You know, it was a piece of the puzzle for her, but it definitely an interesting one to hear about. She also spent a lot of time uh, doing distraction therapy, which I love. You know, I talk about distraction therapy all the time with my own chronic pain. And for her, it was hanging out with a karaoke machine in her house, getting back in touch with her passion for music. This not only provided distraction from her pain, but helped her to stay in a positive headspace, which is a third factor that she really believes helped in her recovery. At its worst, Annie's pain was so bad that sometimes she would pass out or spend entire days stuck in bed because the pain was so severe she couldn't function. And now she finds herself recovered and living the life of a country music star. And it's a really wonderful story. 
I really appreciated the fact that Annie makes it super clear that she feels very lucky to be in recovery from CRPS. Because for a lot of patients, including the people I've spoken with on this podcast, finding ways to manage this pain and to integrate it into your life can be the best form or the best strategy of existing with CRPS. And uh, actually getting into recovery is, is something that is relatively rare with this disease. But Annie's story proves that it is possible, and her positive spirit is infectious, and we will share a little bit of her music on the podcast. Uh, As we get into her interview, I'll play you a piece of Falling Into Nashville, which is a song she wrote as a metaphor for her journey falling into a musical career after such an intense battle with CRPS. Annie was so friendly and warm and welcoming and open with her story. And that's why I chose this episode to be our last episode of 2022. I mean, it's been such a bizarre year and it's been a really hard month for a lot of people. You know, this end of 2022, this horrific weather that we're seeing across the country has affected so many people. So if you are in, in an area that is having some extreme weather right now, I hope you are staying safe and finding ways to stay warm. And I, my heart goes out to you. And of course, the holidays and travel being canceled. So there's just a lot going on. But I'm happy to say that this episode has so much light in it. And Annie is such a joy to talk to. So it really felt appropriate for this moment in time. <laughs> so it's an episode I'm thrilled to share with you. We'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I wanted to do something special in this episode that I hope to make a yearly tradition on the podcast as long as I can remember. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just so, so grateful to all of the uh, community of listeners who are supporting this show on Patreon. And each week on the show, I always thank our Patreon producers who are supporting the show at our top tier of $25 per month. Uh, But today, since it's the last show of the year, I wanted to thank every single person who is supporting this show on Patreon. Um, So let's start with our $2 per month support. Thank you so much, Christina, India, Karen, Nate, and Stitchspin for your support. I appreciate you all so much. Our $7 per month patrons, Alexandria, Brooke, Danielle, Justin, Kelsey, Laura, Naomi, Shannon, and Sunny, and our $25 per month producers who I thank each and every week, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. We have 20 people supporting this show every month with financial contributions through Patreon, and it is incredibly appreciated. My goal in the new year is to see growth in Patreon because this is the number one way that I receive financial support for creating this podcast, uh, and it's so incredibly appreciated. This is something that I love doing every single week. I'm thrilled to put out an episode of this show Every single conversation I've ever had on this podcast has been incredible. I feel so lucky that anyone is listening to this and engaging with the show, let alone supporting it financially. So thank you to each and every one of you. You know, I may only thank my uh, Patreon producers by name at the beginning of each show, but each and every one of you is making a huge difference in every single episode that comes out of this podcast. So thank you all so much. If you are interested in joining the Patreon community, you will gain access to bonus episodes, special recognition, and gifts, including coasters and tote bags with the Major Pain logo. You can check it all out at patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to support this show but cannot afford to do so financially, there are plenty of great ways to support this podcast without any financial contribution, ways that make a huge difference in bringing new listeners to the show and helping it grow. You can learn all about it at majorpainpodcast.com slash support. 
Please keep in mind that my guests and I are not medical professionals, so please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. All right, well, let's jump into our great interview with Annie Vander, and before we do, I'll play you a piece of her single, Falling Into Nashville, which is available on all major streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music, and then we'll jump into our discussion about CRPS. The signs were everywhere. And I just didn't care So life had knocked me down And God turned my path around And I, I fell into Nashville Fell into Nashville From the soul singing loud Won't care who's in the crowd And I, I fell into Nashville I fell into Nashville From the soul singing here So everyone can hear Annie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you today. You're, I think, the first guest I've talked to who I've seen in a music video. So that's exciting. <laughs> oh, are you serious? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us about yourself? So I am a singer-songwriter, um, recording artist. I am actually in my car right now traveling to nashville um it's kind of become a thing in the last couple years uh, though i've been a musician my whole life i uh found music again a couple years ago um so that's kind of i don't know i guess if i had to identify myself as who i am that's that's who i am but i am also a wife a daughter a sister all that stuff like everybody else um so I have three dogs. I'm a crazy pet lover. <laughs> so uh, probably a little too crazy a pet lover. At one time I had, oh man, what do we have? Four cats, three, no, four cats, two dogs, a couple lizards. Like we had everything. I used to be in the uh, pet care industry. I was a vet tech for 20 years. And um, yeah, so, and then, and then I had an accident and I don't know, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And then that kind of led my life in a whole new direction and I found music all over again. So, so yeah. 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 It's so interesting. Yeah. I, I got a little bit of information. Um, well, I think it was your publicist or someone who, who uh, connected us um, and uh -huh. told me a little bit about your story. I checked out your music video and it sounds like this accident led you to completely you know, reevaluate what you were doing in life. And you came out of it as a country music pop star. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> yes. That's kind of a, well, yeah, it's, I, I actually um, broke the top hundred. I hit the country music row breakout chart this wow. past summer. Amazing. Crazy. And, and yeah. And the song that that happened with, it's called falling into Nashville. And it actually was all about that journey. And it's so crazy because everything that happened, I never in a million years would have imagined. Yeah. Like reevaluating. I, I, I was sort of forced to reevaluate everything. It wasn't intentional, but it was a blessing in disguise for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's yeah. the video that I saw falling into Nashville. Um, so let's, let's get into your story. I'm so curious to hear about this injury that completely changed the course of your life. So Annie, what is your major pain? <laughs> um, chronic regional pain syndrome. Um, I had an accident in 2019, it was January 30th, and it was 60 below where I live. We're just outside of Chicago. My husband and I were on the way to the airport that day, um, and an Uber was literally on the way to come and pick us up. 
our friends were waiting to meet us and they kept calling and they said, where's Anne? Where's Anne? Well, I fell on the ice and I broke my wrist, shattered the living heck out of it. And um, needless to say, that Southern Caribbean cruise we were planning on, you know, enjoying did not happen. I ended up needing surgery. They had to repair everything. And I was healing fine for the first, I don't know, two, three weeks. And I vividly remember it was a Friday night. I couldn't tell you exactly what day. But I was sleeping on the couch, just dozed off, relaxing. And I woke up just blood curdling scream, just terrible pain. And my dog was laying on me. And I told my husband, I said, I swear Petey broke my arm again. He must have laid on it funny. Something happened. My arm was so swollen. Um, it, it just kept, it, it, the swelling just kept increasing and increasing. Um, and then more so over time. Fast forward, I go to the doctor and they x-ray everything. And they're like, no, you're, you know, like the bones look fine. Everything's healing the way it should be. Um, and I ended up with a pretty quick diagnosis of CRPS. Um, but at that point, I hadn't realized it. I thought I was healing okay, but maybe the progress was already starting to regress just a little bit. And my, it was an occupational therapist at the time was concerned that it might have been a CRPS thing. Um, so when I, I just remember I had therapy, must have been Monday, the very next Monday, because I had weekends off of therapy. So I went in and she's like, yeah, you need to call your ortho. She's like, you know, that this isn't, something's not right. And I said, well, I already went because I can't stand the pain anymore. And, um, and I said, he thinks I might have chronic regional pain syndrome. And she's like, I was sort of afraid that that's what he would say. She goes, whatever you do, don't Google it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and I think she just wanted to keep me in a good state of mind. I said, well, it's too late. I already did that. But I don't even think what I read had sunk in yet. And she was so good at, you know, I, cause I literally had time just to get to the doctor appointment and then get to PT at, or OT or whatever you call it at the time. And, um, and then she's like, you know what? She's like, I could lose my job for telling you this. She's like, but you cannot come here for therapy anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I really liked her, you know, like when you work with a, you know, a therapist and you have to see him multiple times a week, you, you know it's a bonus if your personalities click and stuff like that too. Um, and I'm like, well, this, that's a bummer. I'm like, why would you say that? She goes, it's, it's rare. Not a lot of people have it. And she goes, not a lot of people really know how to treat it properly. And she was telling me she did some continuing education with this therapist on the gold coast in Chicago. And let me call him, let me see if he can get you in. And, and she goes, I know it's a pain in the butt because it's going to be at least an hour away for you. She goes, but I, I think that's going to be your best, you know, I don't know, the best road for you to take, um, to get you back to, you know, where you need to be. And, uh, I don't know, so the rest is history. I went there and it, it was a, a long, a long recovery, but I am one of the few people I know not a lot, you know, a good handful of people reach remission, but not a lot of people reach remission with CRPS. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I was really fortunate to have an early diagnosis and to, you know, gets, you know, find a therapist that really knew what he was doing. And I guess this guy travels all over the place, teaching different therapists and helping in different places and, you know, teaches them all about the disorder because there's the sad part about CRPS is not a lot of medical professionals have a, a lot of knowledge in it. Mm -hmm. um, so when you go to the doctor and you have a rare disorder, it, it can be disheartening because, you know, all my life, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor is the one who's supposed to have the answers. So when you go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, I've heard of that before. I guess I'll have to, 
look into it, you know, or look into it more, or they're not really sure how to treat something. It's, it's scary. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, that part is terrifying because life was a little bit different for a bit because, you know, I, I didn't know if I would reach remission point. I just knew I had this rare disorder and um, you're familiar with what CRPS is, right? Or no. Yeah. So we've, I've actually talked to uh, two people on the podcast who have CRPS and what I've learned about is basically uh, some sort of traumatic injury takes place and then you go through the healing process and the bones themselves will heal, but there will be uh, constant chronic pain that doctors really can't figure out how to alleviate. And it's sort of not very well understood. And a lot of doctors, as you say, either haven't heard of it or sometimes just don't even believe that it's a real thing. And I've, I've, yeah. the people I've talked to have had a really hard time getting care for it. Um, but it's something that is, you know, well documented to happen where, you know, you've had this injury, you broke your wrist and then you have this excruciating pain after the fact. And it's like, it's invisible, you know, they take an x-ray and it it looks like it should be okay, but it's not. And sometimes doctors won't take the patient's word for it that, Hey, I'm having a huge amount of pain here that I don't, that, you know, that this x-ray doesn't account for. Exactly. And so what I was told is that, you know, basically you know, one of the doctors I saw, he's like, you're basically your brain doesn't process pain the way a normal person's brain would, mm. you know, it, it's like you get stuck in pain loop. And, um, you know, so that then that's what's terrifying. It's like, how do you break that cycle? And yeah. like, and went to that therapist that was in Chicago. It was funny. I thought I thought the guy was a wackadoodle at first. It was the nicest <laughs> guy on earth. Like, seriously, like, we did all these crazy and like, cause I'm like, okay, he's, he's a PT, but he was, I can't remember. It was like a neuro something. I, I honestly don't even, and I should remember, um, it, the, the word is escaping my brain, but either way, um, he, he, he did physical therapy. He did all the manual manipula- manipulation. He sent me home with exercises. He had me do exercises there. Um, but then he did like mirror therapy and I, one, the first time he did something like this, like I, I will never forget it. He sat me down and he put uh, like a full length mirror and he had me straddle it with my legs and I'm like, okay, what are you doing? (laughs) So, and then he had me put my right arm in front of the mirror and my left arm, which was my injured arm in the back of it. And he said, look in the mirror. And I go, okay. He goes, what do you see? And I said, my hand, you know, <laughs> I was like, I, and I think I, I was probably a little sassy because I was like, dude, what are we doing? <laughs> so, but he, he was also a really funny dude too. He always kept me smiling and kept me laughing. So at the same time, I'm like, all right, he's pulling a prank or he's doing something. So, um, so he had me basically, I, when I said, I saw my hand, I looked at him and he goes, no, he goes, look at the mirror again. And I, I was like, okay. And I said, he goes, what do you see? I said, my hand. And he let me break uh, line of sight with my hand a second time. And he goes, don't look at me, look at the mirror. You need to look at the mirror and don't break your line of vision for whatever the amount of time was, whether it was five minutes, 10 minutes or whatever. He said, make a fist. And I said, okay. So I made a fist. He goes, now open your hand and he flip your hand over and do all these things. And in the meantime, he said, just try to as best you can with your left hand while I was doing it with my right hand to try to do it with my left hand. But when I looked in the mirror at my right hand, visually, it looks like my left hand. Mm. So he's trying to retrain my brain. So like sort of trick my brain into thinking that, hey, look, 
that left hand can move. You can do this. And so like, I don't know if that actually did do something or not, but that was a huge part of it. I would go home. I, I can't tell you how many nights I stood and I, it, in the mirrors at home and I would just hide my hand away, that left hand away. So I couldn't see the broken hand and I just moved my, um, moved my right hand. So, and looked in the mirror. So it appeared to myself that, Oh yeah, I can move my left hand. Wow. Um, that's fascinating. So, it's like you're retraining your brain to experience seeing your left hand move without feeling pain, even though it's not your left hand. It's like kind yeah. of trying to like build a new pathway or repair a, a pathway that is, you know, stuck in an open pain signal to, to close then, that off. That's so interesting. Yeah. And that's kind of how he explained it. And he had me watch these different videos about how all the different nerve endings too, you know, they open and they basically it can travel because for me, when I broke my arm, it literally like the pain extended up into my shoulder and then my back, like it just was, and I'm like, okay, I broke my wrist. This is, this is nuts. And that was also another sign that, you know, that's kind of what was happening. And then in hindsight too. So my mother, and we don't know for sure hundred percent if she had CRPS or not, she had, and that it also begs the question of, is it hereditary too? She had, um, she had fallen down and broken her shoulder and the top, I don't remember what the top bone in your arm is called, but she, she broke that. And after about five years ago, she just spiraled in pain, just out of control. Like the whole, you know, like everything was, it, things were just completely disproportionate, you know, disproportionate to the injury. It just didn't make sense. Um, and she kind of got, you know, they had her on, it was one pain med, another muscle relaxer, another, this, another, that, and she ended up bedridden and, you know, for like five years. And then it just, they basically, I know, I know you don't die of CRPS, um, but there are a lot of complicated, if there's other health complications and you're bedridden and you can't move um, and you're on all these medications, it can complicate things. And, and we lost her five years after her accident. Oh, and sorry. so it's thanks. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, that's 12 years ago now. And it's not that it gets easier, but you learn to cope better, but it all, when all this happened to me, it made me feel real bad because I, I felt like I should have had more patience for her because I was in the shoes where I couldn't understand. I'm like, mom, you broke your arm. She's like, I can't do this. I can't do that. And then we're all trying to enforce tough love. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she was in way more pain than any of us really realized. Yeah. Um, that's so hard. That. That's something that comes with, you know, with any chronic illness or, uh, you know, living through an accident or disability, um, just learning to see the world through other people's perspectives can be so yeah. difficult if you haven't lived through something like that. And that's, you know, that's part of why I love sharing stories on this show is trying to give people a pathway into that without having to live through these things. You were saying you thought, it, you know, the wondering if maybe crps could be genetic which is that's so interesting i haven't heard that before but it sounds like you know maybe there is some sort of predisposition for for that pain signal to get stuck in the on position um yeah so then it, it all becomes about trying to close it off that's so interesting yeah so i had a pet care business for my own pet care business um at the time it was seven years um because i was a vet tech for about you know, gosh, almost 20 at the time and had, um, and then I started doing my own thing and, you know, I'm working with animals all day long. And 
and being on the cruise, they're supposed to be on the cruise. I remember calling some of my clients and when I got home from the hospital and, you know, maybe I don't remember if it was before or after surgery. And when I called some of them, I needed to give them a heads up like, Hey, you know, I'm not even going to come back in two weeks. You know, I broke my arm and I'm like, I'll see you in six to eight weeks. And then that never even happened. So I lost the business out of it all. Mm. Uh, and then thinking about my mother and wondering like, Oh my gosh, am I going to end up like my mom? You know, like I had no idea. I was scared to death. Um, you know, but it's, it, it, it was completely, it, it was life-changing for a little bit of time and uh, for a lot of bit of time, actually, almost a year for me. And um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's crazy. So, you know, and then music and all that, you know, then that's where all that came into play because I had a lot of time at home just being by myself and we had a karaoke machine in the house. And, but I still like the position I'm in right now with some of the music stuff and different things. I also want to be a voice for it and help advocate for people as best I can. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm still navigating through it, you know, mentally. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Absolutely. It sounds to me like you have this old life, you have this mm -hmm. accident, everything changes overnight. There's so much fear and not knowing if you're ever going to be able to, you know, function normally again, if this pain is going to follow you forever, all of that kind of fueled by what happens to your mom. And then yeah. inside of that, you you discover this passion for music or I, I, you know, maybe it reignites something and you're focusing on like, what can I do to make myself feel good? Because you are surrounded by so much fear and uncertainty. So you focus on the thing that bring that you find the most passion for and kind of recenter your life in that way and just run with it. You, it kind of like caused this sharp turn that never would have happened otherwise. Um, so in, in, in some ways, is there a part of you that's grateful for having experienced this accident? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, the bridge to my song to falling into Nashville, life knocks me down. I get up off the ground. I'm so grateful for the day when things didn't go my way. And then I like, mm. and then it's like, come on. And then, so basically it's like, yeah, so it's, it, I'm totally grateful for it. So, I mean, I feel like maybe because I always have like just this dream of, you know, chasing the music dream. Right. I've, I, I've been singing since I've, since I could probably talk and um, you know, I was in band and I did all the music stuff and, and I, you know, I put it down in my twenties and you know, most people that you don't, most people don't chase that kind of a thing. You get normal jobs and it, that's just what you do. So um, when I had the accident, I had the time at home, we had a karaoke machine in our house and I just picked it up and started Goof on, you know, goofing off with it, really. And it it was distraction therapy, really. Mm. And, you know, in hindsight, that's what it turned into. So it's like, oh, I'll have fun. You know, like, I don't want to sit here and just dwell on the fact like, wow, I'm in so much pain, I can't stand this. And so if I, even if I was just sitting on the couch and held the microphone with one hand or, or whatever I did, or it, it, it took my mind to a better place for a little bit. Yeah. So then if you, and then I am part of a Facebook group. And then I started seeing in there different people talking about how singing actually stimulates the vagus nerve and it actually, you know, and it helps with this. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I spent a lot of my time unintentionally doing something very good for myself. You know, <laughs> so, but I also attribute a lot of that to the guy I was going to for therapy too. Cause a lot of it, like I'd come in and he's like, Hey, how you doing today? And I'm just like, Oh my God, this hurts so bad. Or this, that he's like, but the sun's out or this is happening or he's just like, but look at how much better you're doing with this today. And I, he 
didn't let me stay in a bad mood. No matter what happened, he's like, you know, yeah, I know that sucks. And he, you know, like some days are going to be good. Some are, and he's like, sometimes you're going to go backwards a little bit. He goes, and he just, no matter what it was, he just tried to keep things positive. And he tried to push me as much as I physically could without setting me back. Um, and even though, you know, on a, you know, a day-to-day stuff and some of the tasks that I had to get done weren't the same, like just getting dressed was, you know, I, I remember days where I couldn't get out of bed and put a shirt on or, you know, I couldn't do anything. And I, you know, I, one, there was one day the pain was so bad. I was passing out. My husband and a friend of ours was carrying me out of therapy. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but that stuff, it, I mean, it was just, I don't know. It, he, I mean, on a day like that, I, you know, like that extreme, he was like, yeah, this is, this isn't good. And, you know, but, um, Anyway, so the singing, the singing was just something, you know, I was like, okay, you know, you get bored, you don't want to dwell on the pain. And, and I did that. And, um, you know, he, we kind of almost were buddies in there, you know, like, that's what it felt like when we went in. He's like, oh, so what'd you do when you weren't doing, you know, and I, you know, I tell him, you know, that I do stuff like that. And I actually remember telling my husband at one point too, I know I'm all over the place with this, but I did tell him that I go, you know, I used to play clarinet when I was a kid. And I told my husband, I said, you know what? I'm going to be so mad if I can ever play my clarinet again. And he goes, why would you say that? And he goes, you haven't played that thing in years. I said, because I just, it was something that just brought me comfort and I want to pick it up just once in a while. So then it's funny that all this spun into music, but. Um, yeah. It's, so do you think that there was a, a cumulative effect to, you know, this distraction therapy and your therapist kind of trying to keep you focused on things that felt good? Do you feel like that? Were those a cumulative effect of that that helped you to reach a state of remission? I do. And I think he probably helped send me down a path that I didn't even know I was going down. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, you know, not realizing that that's what was happening. It was just trying to keep my mindset in the right place and doing as much as I could. And it, it was hard accepting a new normal at first, but then, you know, just little bit by little bit by little bit, things were improving. Um, and while I couldn't, do some things physically that I wanted to, I was finding, you know, even if it was just singing in the living room, like, you know, my voice wasn't taken away and that was still something that it was, I could accomplish it and it was good. And so, yeah, I do think it was a cumulative effect that way for sure. So when I lost the business too, so then some months later, when I started feeling better, I ended up at a door and window company. So now this is November of 2019 and that's an office job. So I'm not working from home. And, you know, if you fast forward a few months, then COVID happens. So now I'm laid off Mm. and I'm like, Oh, well, this is lovely. (laughs) So, but I, at the same time, I was like, well, I guess 2019 sort of prepped me for, for being home, but that said I had time on my hands. So now I'm feeling good. And I, you know, I, I don't have a job to go to. So I had a number in my back pocket pocket for an artist coach and that's how all the singing stuff started happening and so yeah like reevaluating things and turning everything around it's just crazy how and that's where really all the start of all the music stuff really started happening because then all those emotions and everything that happened I was telling him I'm like you know I've always sung music I, I, I sing other people's music all the time not that there's anything wrong with doing that I said but I need a I want to put my own emotions into a song. I want to write my own story and the rest is history. And now I just want to help people as much as I can. Um, Yeah. You know, listening to falling into Nashville, it's a very positive song. And it's so interesting that that was born out of 
such intense pain where you're, you know, your body is just screaming at you and you, there's no off button and it's so bad that you're passing out. And then you turn it into this like anthem for, for feeling good. (laughs) That's a, that's a fantastic, you know, fantastic transition to make because I, I'm not someone that believes that everything happens for a reason, but I do believe that you can make positive changes out of really awful things that like you are the driver of the positive changes that happen in your life and and good things can come out of really horrible um really horrible occurrences oh yeah yeah i mean i do feel like there's a little bit of luck in this too i mean Mm. it's music is still hard work it's very hard work and it's not something it's a skill you know like some of it it's it was learned in years past and um but you know it's but yeah, you can, you can create your own luck and your own positivity that way. You know, if you work hard enough and you never give up and you choose to focus on the positive instead of the negative. I mean, I cause I that. could just, I mean, what, but it's true. I could be like, wow, I lost the business and this sucks and that happened. And, you know, it, and it's, I don't know, it, it really for, I mean, I had a choice to make at that point. I could have sat there and wallowed in the pain and, you know, just sat there and stayed scared or, you know, I, I went the other way. Um, so when I wrote that song, I wanted to make it. So if whether it is, you know, a teenager going through something that is, is a crisis or it's an adult going through a crisis, no matter what it is, um, you know, because there are so many situations, I can't even name it all because people will go through things that some of us will never be able to even imagine or wrap our brains around. But I just wanted to write something that, you know, it's like, just pick yourself back up as best you can. And, you know, one foot in front of the other. And, you know, falling into Nashville for me is a metaphor for falling into music. Hmm. Because if there's, there's sad songs written, there's happy songs written, there's just mellow songs written. So, you know, you just, you have to allow your body to, to feel different things. You know, you have, if you, if you feel sad, be sad for a little bit, but then, you know, try to come out of it, you know, let yourself feel what you need to, and then pick the pieces up and, and try to find a better place. So that's what I was trying to get across with that song. Had you had any injuries earlier on in life, like any broken bones or anything to this scale that healed normally? Um, I've had not, not a major break like that. So my break, they had the, the wrist, they had to put a plate and screws and all that stuff like hardware in. Um, I had a nose broken when I, I, cause I used to run uh triathlon. I did half Ironman and all that fun stuff. And I got punched in the face unintentionally <laughs> <laughs> in a pool, but that, you know, that healed up. I had a sprained ankle running track at one point, but none of that. Oh, my husband just reminded me, um, cause he <laughs> can hear this. Um, I did have an ovarian, um, a dermoid, uh, cyst is like, it was like a mass on my, left ovary. And when I had surgery for that, it went awry and Mm. I actually ended up bleeding internally. That's when I was 30 years old. Um, and I remember coming out of surgery and they told me that they didn't know if, um, if it was going to be a laparoscopic or full laparotomy where they cut you completely open. So I was like, okay, you know, so I come out and they're like, yeah, we had, it was a, it was a solid mass. So we had, I'm like, okay. And, um, and that was another scary point in my life. And then, um, and then I just remember not, um, not healing right. The next, I, I couldn't get out of bed and, 
and I, the pain was a little bit crazy then. And, um, but they also didn't give me morphine properly. And they said, Oh, you just had a, a laparoscopy. You'll be fine. And, um, and I remember my mom at the time she went, I used to be embarrassed because she would, she was very outspoken and sometimes too much. So, but she went running down the hall, give my daughter pain meds. Mm. <laughs> like, so, um, but anyway, the short of it is, is I wasn't able to stand up. I couldn't even go to the bathroom and the nurse tried to enforce a little tough love. And I remember she tried to put me in a commode next to the bed and I couldn't stand up and I actually fell into the bed, um, like on the way back to bed. And then I don't know how many days it was later, but I, my incision, I started bleeding and the, I had a big hematoma. I was bleeding internally. So I ended up back in the hospital. So that was a little abnormal. And I have had goofy, weird allergies. Um, to just really odd stuff. Um, and yeah. I don't know if, and that's, I know people have questioned is CRPS an autoimmune thing. Um, you know, and a lot of autoimmune stuff is not well understood either, but I've always struggled with the oddest allergies that are so severe. Um, and a lot of doctors have not been able to explain that. Yeah, there's just so much we don't know about medicine. You know, like with all the amazing things we do know, there's so much that we don't. And maybe someday these questions will be answerable. You know, is CRPS an autoimmune disease? Is there a blood marker or some sort of, you know, way to predict who is susceptible to this type of, you know, long-term effect from injury, you know, maybe we'll know someday. I hope so. And, you know, but even if we know, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we treat it? How do we, you know, find good therapies for it? And, you know, for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost convinced the fact that I was diagnosed early and found somebody who understood it better mm -hmm. was my saving grace with it. Um, but I, you know, but I don't know. I'm also, I don't want to say terrified because that's, I just, you know, I guess you could, anybody could walk outside and have a freak accident, get hit by a truck or something, God forbid. But, you know, like if I have an injury or what is going to spark it again, because if I am under crazy high stress or I, I still have to watch things because every once in a while, my arm will kind of talk to me, so to speak, mm. like, Hey, you're doing too much and slow the heck down. Um, but it's not anything where I can't handle it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. So even though you're in remission, it's you know, you have to maybe keep your life in balance, keep keep the good feelings going, try not to be experiencing too much stress. Um, because it sounds like, you know, that that potential for that pain signal to turn on is something that you are sort of monitoring. Yeah, but it's also I've and I've struggled and you know, I I haven't really talked about it openly a lot, but I have always struggled really since my twenties with anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in and out of emergency rooms because of anxiety problems and stuff like that when my twenties and now in my forties, it's, you know, happened, uh, you know, it kind of resurfaced a little bit, but you know, from what I read too, you know, in different things, a lot of that can all be tied in with some of this. So it's like, is my nervous system just, you know, always, you know, is it, why am I so high strung that way? Because a lot of times when that happens, I don't feel like I'm stressed out. But then if I sit back and I, you know, like if I would like write on paper, like, well, you've got this going on and that going on and, and this is this, you know, like it's, it's like, okay, well, you, you list all, you know, your to-do tasks, 
And then everything that maybe your body has been through, maybe I just got over a bad flu or there was something emotionally where somebody had passed away or there's a family, you know, a tragedy with something else. And, and then when you add it all up, it's like, oh, wow, I guess my, my little brain is going through a lot. So, mm. um, so that, that is aggravating because I feel like even, even somebody who doesn't suffer with CRPS, um, I feel like it's, there's, there's a balance for everybody and how your body handles the stress is different but it, you know if you have a chronic pain disorder i i don't know with this i i do always worry that something's going to trigger it and somehow i'm going to fall out of remission i just feel really lucky that i've been here i just hope i stay here if that makes sense of course a hundred percent that makes sense i appreciate you sharing that as well i mean we're you know it's it's 2022 we're living in stressful times and i think that yeah. everybody is dealing with some form of anxiety and we also live in a culture that doesn't value mental health the way that it should and we live in a culture that values people working them working themselves to the bone and you know that is not good for people's bodies and and nervous systems yeah. and learning every person needs to learn their own individual balance and when we're kids you know we're resilient and we can do so many different things but then as we get older we sort of um like carve into these grooves that are comfortable but then things outside of those grooves can be uh, upsetting in ways that weren't when we were kids. And that can be a surprise. And trying to, you know, just trying to be a human and trying to exist in this society is a lot for anyone. Um, and, you know, I feel like there's this uh, mistaken equation when people look at someone, you know, someone with CRPS talking about anxiety, you know, people people get so accusatory and, you know, doctors in particular, in my experience, you know, I don't have, I, I have a chronic mystery illness. I have a lot of chronic pain and doctors are always trying to blame, blame my pain on my anxiety. And it's very often the other way around. It's like, no, I, my pain is making me a little anxious, you know, wouldn't it do the same to you? Yep. And, oh yeah, I was, yeah, I was just going to say that. Cause it's, you get anxious because you're like, oh my gosh, when is this going to stop? And it, it's, it's, they feed off of each other almost. Yeah. And you've been through something that's extremely anxiety inducing. And it's, I'm so glad you caught it early and had a, a therapist who understood it. And, you know, that's so rare in and of itself, but it doesn't mean that it's, um, you know, it's, it's not something that there is a cure for, you know, being in remission and being cured are different things. And being in remission is something to be incredibly grateful for. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you've got some great tools to keep you there and some knowledge about, you know, where your boundaries are now and you're kind of adjusting to this new normal and you're living this new life that makes you really happy and is really fulfilling. And you're making all these life choices to be happier, but it's, that's really benefiting your health. And I really commend you for that. You know, it sounds like, um, of, of course, that fear will always be a part of you but it sounds like you're conquering that on a daily basis and fighting back against you know your body well you know you're in this state where your body wasn't letting you get up and get dressed in the morning and now you're out there on the road playing shows and on the radio and you know if you could have told yourself a couple of years ago what you'd be doing now i wonder if you oh, even believe it <laughs> yeah no i would i wouldn't have believed it but honestly it's like so I went to go see my little niece play in not so little anymore. She's a freshman in high school and she was so excited to play with the band and my band director from 
many, many years ago is still there. And um, it just brought this rush of emotions back. And like, number one, I couldn't believe it's been as long as it's been. But two, it's like, it really made me think, especially now that I'm doing music on a professional level, it's like, I I don't know, it it made me think like, wow, you know, I, I never should have stopped, even if it was not something that I was doing on the level that I'm doing now, I shouldn't have stopped music in general because it is something that just, that's my happy place. Um, And it's, and especially now that I'm writing my own stuff, it's, it's an outlet. It's for me, it's like journaling, you know, it's, but there's so many music, music touches people in a different way. It's, you know, a big life event can happen. And I know at least for me, I'll know exactly what was playing on the radio at, at one point. I'm like, oh my gosh, do you remember this song played when, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it, so, and it, to me, I also feel like it's a really special thing to have songs that are on the radio and something that, you know, falling in a Nashville, hopefully that is something that people can take and, you know, find something positive from it and, you know, just relate to music, you know, whether it's that song or a different song that I write or whatever it is, you know, they can relate to it in their own way and, Hopefully it brings them joy or peace or whatever it needs to bring them at the time. Yeah. I have a weird question for you. You've mentioned tough love a couple times throughout the podcast. Have your feelings on tough love changed before and after your accident? Yeah, I would say yes and no. I do feel like it's still needed in some situations, but I'm definitely more empathetic to, I think I'm not as like, well, this is just the way it has to be. I feel like if you're the one, like if I'm the one who's like, no, you know, you need to, you need to at least try something like, let's say it's a teenager, you know, like they're, you know, or a child and they're clearly making it. it, I guess it depends on what it is. If you're the authority on it, you're the one who's in charge enforcing that tough love. I think it just makes me more empathetic to the person that you're dealing with, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people need a little push. And that can be really healthy. And if you're going to be the person in the position to do the pushing, it's really important to be aware and empathetic about what the other person's experiencing. And I think that that's, maybe that's what you're saying that you took from this is that. um, It's a better way to word it. Yes. It's definitely taught me. um, It's given me a good lesson in empathy for sure. Yeah. I love that. I mean, empathy is what it's all about. You know, I, I look back on myself when I was younger and less empathetic and I just cringe and you know times where I didn't believe people when they were saying that they were struggling with something or I minimized it or just felt like oh well it's not that big of a deal and then having that happen to me with my health and feeling how awful that feels just to have the world not believe you and to diminish the value of your own personhood it just feels so awful and i just vowed to never ever do that to anyone again but did you ever like even yourself like for me when i go like some of the doctors that i've seen they're young and they're like yeah well you really should this you should that and i've had a lot you know a few doctors too they're like i I don't know they were i feel like trying to enforce that tough love on me well you really should do this and you should do that i'm like look you know Number one, I'm 20 years older than you, and I've been through all, like, my body does these weird things. You're going to give me that medication, and I know that this isn't going to work. I know your textbook tells you this, <laughs> but I'm like, not to be, not to belittle the doctor or anything, but I feel like, you know, okay, that's, 
they're probably brilliant. And if I had, I needed a surgery or I needed, you know, them to really do something or save my life in the moment, that's fine. But I, I don't, I feel like you can't be as empathetic as you need to be until you've been through something. I mean, yeah. I guess you can be, but you'll, you never really, really know until you've been through it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And totally. And I, yeah, I've absolutely seen doctors who looked at my chart and came into the room and talked to me for three minutes and assumed they knew everything about me and how my body worked. And, you know, yeah. I, I always say this, but like, you are the only person who will ever live in your body. Like, you know it better than anyone else. You're the only person who experiences what it's like to feel what your body feels like and to get the, the oh, signals yeah. from your body that you're getting. You're the only person. And for a doctor to try to tell you that what your body's telling you is false is, is so infuriating. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, and, you know, the other people that I've talked to with CRPS have experienced some really horrific medical gaslighting. Um, and yeah. you know, that not just CRPS, but almost every single episode of the podcast, there is some mention of medical gaslighting of doctors, you know, trying to convince people that what they're experiencing isn't real. And it's really dangerous. You know, like I, I, I have great care right now. I'm so thrilled about that. I'm making great progress with my, chronic illness. I've had some really good days recently. I've had some bad days too, but you know, but the good days are getting better and better as we're on this new potential um, diagnosis and treatment plan for me. It's, it's amazing. But like, you know, 10 years ago, I guess over that now, uh, you know, in my, man, how long ago was that? <laughs> I guess like 13, 14 years ago when I had a really bad flare in my, in my uh, 20s, and I was going to doctors and they were trying to convince me that it wasn't real, you know, that this was all just in my head. And I, that happened again yeah. in my 30s when I had another bad flare up. Doctors like putting it in my chart, like this is just his, his brain uh, misinterpreting stress into, you know, this weird disorder. And like, I was, ne I would never get, I would never have gotten better, ever. I would never, <laughs> ever have gotten better. If I had listened to those doctors and believed them, you know, I never would have gotten better. And I really feel like with my mom, that was a lot of it because like, I, and you know, my dad and my mom did the best they could. It's like, we'll just listen to the doctor and we'll just do whatever they tell me to do. And then you just get, you know, like they didn't believe certain things and it's, and it's nobody's fault. It's just, it just stinks. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when, I mean, literally it's just so when you said, yeah, like when you said something like, oh, they say, well, it's just something in his brain. It's something in his brain. But that's something there's something in your brain that tells your heart to beat and <laughs> it tells you to breathe, tells you to do all these other things. So if something like that malfunctions, they tried to, you know, like, well, I don't know what they can or can't fix, but there's different areas of the brain that they, you know, if, if you have a brain tumor, they take it out if something's wrong in your brain. Right. So yeah. if something's in your brain then something is wrong with you you know so obviously your brain can send out pain signals that are not real you know and you know so it's so it's we're not crazy i, I am just i'm nodding emphatically i know the listeners can't <laughs> can't hear my nodding but it is happening yes absolutely one thousand percent yeah yeah so it's yeah and anxiety is it's I mean, it's, it's crazy what anxiety and, you know, and fear in itself, it's, I don't know. And that's one thing that therapists said too, you know, fear is a big fat liar. A lot of people have said it, but it, it is. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's so difficult what? because, you know, anxiety does have an effect on the body and lowering your anxiety levels can help, 
with this sort of situation. Um, but the line between between that and doctors kind of brushing you off as being just an anxious person who doesn't deserve treatment for this other thing that's going on, you know, there's a very distinct line there that a lot of doctors seem to blur and it's very frustrating. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's it. it frustrating is <laughs> I once you find I'm glad that you finally found somebody that is that care is good that because that's that's key with any of it because I mean it because then you can also go home and feel like somebody actually understands you and they have your back so that if something goes wrong you I don't know my biggest one of my biggest fears is actually being somewhere where you know I I am in a, a hospital situation or something like that because the, the staff in the hospital and your regular doctor that you see are different and then if I go there and I, I can't actually speak for myself. You know, I'm unconscious or something and they don't understand CRPS or whatever's going on. And, you know, and I can't be my own advocate. That is something that terrifies me. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm, and I'm so glad you have your, your husband to look out for you in those moments. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, knock on wood, we never have to deal with this, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah. But it's, yeah, so it's, oh my gosh. What is your major pain, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I wish that I knew. <laughs> oh no. I, uh, I have a mystery illness. Um, I, when I get flared up, I have a lot of like mus uncontrollable muscle movements. It gets really hard to talk. Um, chronic pain, mostly on the right side of my body. Uh, pretty much all the way up and down my body on the right side at this point. Mostly my like my temple, my foot, and my right arm. Um, like tingly, burny feelings in my arm, and just like constant throbbing pain in my right temple and foot. Um, and then uh, when I'm doing really bad, my legs sometimes don't work very well, and I need to use a wheelchair to get around. Um, yeah. So recently, I've been uh, I'm being examined for mast cell activation syndrome and small fiber neuropathy. And those two diagnoses would kind of encompass all of my symptoms, which is exciting. And I'm learning that there are situations where those two happen together, which is also exciting. And, you know, mast cells are involved in um, allergies like histamine response. So I've been eating a super low histamine diet and taking medication okay. to stabilize mast cells. And my whole body okay. has been working better. You know, like I just, uh, a couple days ago, I, you know, I live on a hill on Capitol Hill in Seattle and I walked okay. up a hill to the grocery store. I did gro I grocery shopped, picked up a prescription, walked home and unloaded everything. And I felt okay after. And that was like, that's massive for me. You know, I haven't been able to do that uh, comfortably or without a cane or without a wheelchair in six years since my flare up started. Before that, I was you know, I had some, some good years of functionality flare up before that. And then my childhood was, was fairly functional with a couple of weird moments around you know, mold exposure and stuff like that. So yeah, mine is really complicated and very, I'm still trying to understand it. And even though I'm the only yeah. person who's ever lived in my body and gotten all this information, I'm still trying to understand what my body is telling me. And yeah. for the first time ever, you know, with the low histamine diet and all of this, medication i feel like the signals are clearing up a little bit you know i okay. cheated i cheated on my low histamine diet yesterday i just like i want a pumpkin spice latte and uh <laughs> co coffee has histamine 
there was like, you know, the pumpkin spice mix with a bunch of sugar, which can trigger mast cells. And, um, and I just went for it and I really paid the price. Uh, you know, I'm on day two and I'm not quite back to functionality. And yesterday I, I was like great in the morning, feeling great. I had one latte and my legs give out. My body's spasming uncontrollably. I was basically like couch bound all day after that. And it's just, it's bizarre. You know, it's absolutely bizarre. Um, but it seems now to be lining up where if I don't cheat on my diet and I follow this protocol, like really strictly, I'm maybe starting to assert a little bit of control over this thing, which is, you know, overwhelmingly exciting and also terrifying and also confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I, I know. I, I know (laughs) it's yeah, there, I've had a lot of really, like I said, just through the years, it's just in mine is more the allergies. I haven't had that. You know, I just, the only thing I've had is the, um, you know, as far as pain goes was the CRPS, Mm -hmm. but as far as my body reacting funny to different things, it's, you know, when it, I have these, it's usually allergies that flare up, um, for me in skin problems. And it, it's just, it's crazy and it's, nobody can ever figure it out. And it's always, it's frustrating to go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't even know. Yeah, Um, totally. But yeah. Yeah. And some doctors, you know, like mast cell activation syndrome is a relatively new diagnosis that a lot of doctors don't even believe is real. When in fact, there's like literature and science and research and protocols to follow. Um, But you have to get lucky in finding a doctor who even knows that. It's it's crazy. Well, one thing too that I did, and I don't know, I'm convinced with CRPS anyway. um, I was terrified to try like a lot of people will use marijuana recreationally or whatever i always terrified to try it i had a bad experience with it um before i was diagnosed um and then i i I never wanted to use it but i remember one of the days i was in therapy a good friend of mine and my husband's was so my husband could go to work he would drive me to therapy um over an hour each day into the city and um and him and the therapist would you know they'd be joking around while he's waiting for me to get done. And he just looked at me one day, our friend did, and he said, you know, you need to go home and smoke a bowl. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. And then my therapist goes, yeah, maybe you should, you know, he's like, you need to relax. And then, you know, whatever. And then, you know, his poor wife was going through cancer herself. And he's like, you know, she's going to get her medical card. And I was like, well, you know, so at the time I was like, I, I did, I ended up getting my medical card and when I got that too, like that's when things I also feel like really started to turn around. Mm. Um, I was able to get off of some of the prescription meds and stuff like that. And, um, you know, cause that, that was also something that scared the living daylights out of me because I saw it, I felt like it was like a spiral with my mom with the medications. Cause it's like, you can't keep up with the medications and the pain. And then she kept doing stuff. And then she was so zoned out on some of it that you know, then I'm like, am I addicted to this or am I, you know, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go down that road. And that always terrified me. So, um, but I feel like that actually, and it wasn't even a lot of THC, it wasn't anything to really make me high. Mm -hmm. Um, but figuring out the right dosages and what worked, I felt like, you know, not to give, I'm not giving medical advice, but I just feel like it's something that truly helped me quite a bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's huge for a lot of, uh, chronic illness people these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, I, I you know, I, 
and and it's the and I think that's part of too. Like if I ever fall out of remission, the fact that I don't know exactly what it was that got me to this point. Because some people ask me, "How did you do it? How did you do it?" I'm like, I don't really know. You know, like is it just the you know it was it just retraining my brain between the mirror therapy and the CBD and tea, you know, like the the medical marijuana and you know and then just you know, in retraining my brain, the neuroplasticity, you know, like they like to say, um, with some of that. And then, you know, just trying to keep the attitude positive as best you can. Like, you know, is that really all that did it or was there something else? I mean, that sounds like a recipe for success to me. Like that sounds like a great pathway to go down. And, you know, the more I, I just, uh, I just recorded an episode with someone with uh, chemical sensitivity who who went to some like trainings for uh, brain retraining, um, mm-hmm. where you kind of like try to reset how your brain is act, you know, reacting to certain things. And she thinks that that was one hundred percent what allowed her to get into remission with her extreme chemical sensitivities. So, yeah, I mean, I, the, I this is not something something that I used to put much stock in, but the more I hear about it and the more I talk to people who have experienced it. Um, and the more I myself have tried to kind of, you know, alter my relationship with my own pain and the way that I not just perceive it, but act because of it. Um, I feel like there is a lot there. There's a lot there for, for harnessing, you know, the power of the mind. (laughs) I feel silly even saying it, but I, but I think that's a really important part of all this. But the, and see, that's where it's like, there isn't really anything. And I guess as I'm saying it out loud, right? So when we're kids, you know, it's like, or there was that song, if you're happy and you know, clap your hands, you know, whatever. So it's like, I, you, you teach children to be happy and positive and all this stuff. And as an adult, I feel like people just, you can get jaded really quick. It's easy to focus on the negative and stuff like that. But yeah, as I say it, it's like, is it really just as simple as staying positive, a little bit of weed and, you know, like just stay, you know, staying focused on your goals and, you know, you know, and also maintaining your body, you know, a good diet and, um, and then, you know, the exercise as best you can. So like when you said like, you know, you were able to get around and do your grocery shopping and walk, it's, you know, so don't push it, you know, just like, yeah, that's awesome. And then it's, you know, try it again. And if, if it works, it does. And if it doesn't, you know, just don't focus on, you know, the bad part. And I, I feel like every time I was able to successfully do something, I just was like, Oh, okay. Like I tried to just remember like, okay, yeah, that, that was, I mean, I was grateful that I did it, but I was, I I tried to convince myself like, yeah, I got this. I got this. And then if I didn't, I didn't get it. It's not that I wasn't frustrated, but I didn't focus on it. And I think that's when I would just go downstairs and I'd just go grab a microphone, whether I had a shirt on or not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was just so important. It's so important to when you, because chronic illness and recovery and anything like this, it's not a straight line. And if you have a step back, that does not mean that you are sliding backwards, you know? And and if you believe that it does mean you're sliding backwards, then it's going to be a lot harder to make progress. So if you if you give yeah. yourself the grace to have some, um, you know, failure inside of that, and don't it's not even failure. It's just like we're not just. It's not a straight line, you know. Like if I try to walk to the grocery store next time and I can't make it on foot and I need to use a wheelchair, that's fine, you know. Like that's 
that's that's going to be different on that day. And I'm grateful to have the the tools that I need to get myself where I need to go on a rougher day. And I, I love my wheelchair for that. You know, it's really opened up my yeah. possibilities because I got it when I was in a way worse spot. So yeah, being yeah. being able to refocus and to accept where your body's at on a certain day and then keep that goal in mind of of just, you know, ev- trying to make a little bit of progress and trying to feel joy, trying to enjoy your life. That's what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I-, I got to this place where I realized that if I needed a wheelchair for the rest of my life, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be happy. You know, my wheelchair exactly. has made my life better. It's made me happier. And there's times where I don't need it now. And, you know, it's not, it, I, I don't think of it like, oh, I'm, I'm succeeding because I'm not in the chair. I definitely don't think of it that way. I feel like, wow, my, right. my body is doing better. And I think I have my wheelchair to thank for that because it really kind of started my positive momentum when I was able to actually leave my apartment more often. So I don't know. Yeah, get, getting in the right mindset and then trying to stay in it <laughs> can be really, really well, difficult. It, it can be, it can be. And sometimes you, but you need to have a community around you. And that's, I love what you're doing here with the podcast oh, because you. it's like, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's going to help so many people. And like I said before, for me, it's like, you know, my publicist said too, she's, um, when she told me like this was coming up, I'm like, this is the first time, like, I'm really, really opening up about this publicly. Like mm. people know the story, but like in depth. So to be able to share my experience on a bigger platform, you know, to help make people more aware of, you know, what people are going through, you know, the invisible pain that nobody sees and to help people like me from years ago who didn't realize how much pain my mother was really in, you know, and other people, you know, it's to have the patience and, you know, hope, I don't know. It's, I, I just hope to bring positive change and it's awesome because you're doing that with this year. So thank I, you. I really appreciate that. And, you know, you sharing a story of recovery, with CRPS, uh, you know, now I hope that when people go and search for this disease on the internet, that maybe this is one of the things they will find. Because the last time we did an episode about CRPS uh, with Pris, it was a great episode, but she talked about searching the disease when she was first, you know, diagnosed. And, and what she found was like incredibly dark and extremely bad (laughs) and maybe maybe this one person that wrote that article that she found had that dark bad experience it was something like you're going to be in pain forever and everyone that you love is going to not want to be around you and it was just like really awful and that's not everyone's story you know and and here is a here's a counterpoint to that here is someone with crps who found therapies that worked who found um a state of mind that helped and you, you, you steered yourself into this better direction. And now this is something that people can find and listen to and carry your voice with them in their pocket when they're having a rough day. And, you know, yeah. and, and this is your story and it's true and it, and it happened. And this is part of the, com- this has to be part of the conversation about CRPS now is that it, people can recover. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, there are people who never reach that and, it, and I can't say that it's any fault of their own. Cause I do believe there's probably people out there. Absolutely who not. Stay of positive yeah. Absolutely. But I'm so glad does, you said that. That's but, so important. But it, it doesn't mean that, I mean, it doesn't mean you should give up and stop trying because 
if you stay positive, even in, even in my toughest days, the days I was happy, no matter what, like, honestly, some of the memories I have from, it was our friend. He's a really, he was like my husband's best friend. And, you know, he pretty much took care of me and my husband so we could, you know, keep the household afloat basically. And so when we went downtown and, you know, I, it was so painful for me to just sit in the car and stuff like that and, and get to therapy. He, um, he kept me laughing the whole time. And I just, I do remember, but it's, I actually have to think about the pain now, because when I look back at that summer, it actually was really fun. Mm. I was in the worst pain of my life, but we laughed and we laughed a lot. And it was, I don't know. I mean, the therapy was hard and it was tough and I was in a ton of pain, but it, like I said, the therapist made, made it fun. And it was like, there were, there were a lot of good memories from it. So, um, yeah. So even if you don't recover, it's, it's, again, it's focusing on, on the good stuff because life, you know, it's, it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to experience life in a dark place for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And yeah, I mean, everyone's body is different and some, some people may have tried the exact stuff that you did and not recovered. And, right. but that doesn't mean that there isn't something out there that might work and to stop, to stop trying, you know, that's something that's been really difficult for me is like not, not knowing what my diagnosis is, not knowing when I should stop trying to get better, you know, cause doctors kept telling me, you just got to learn to live with this cause we don't know what it is. And I never accepted that. And I'm 38, you know, and my first massive flare up happened when I was, I think 23 or 24. And I'd had some smaller flare ups going back as far as second grade. And wow. so I, up until I was 36, I didn't find a doctor who was willing to really ride on this track with me, no matter the outcome and, and keep trying things. And he's just sent me to so many places. And now we've found some places that are working. And I have this other new doctor who's just, you know, sending me to all these places I didn't even know existed. And I've been yeah. doing this for, you know, what, for over a decade. And there's still so many options that I never knew existed. Uh, so yeah. you just really never know. I mean, there's so many, like there's, there's just too, there's too many things out there to try. It's kind of overwhelming. And sometimes it feels like there's nothing to try, but that just means that there are things that you haven't considered yet. So, you know, I, I just really encourage anyone with any sort of situation that they feel hopeless in and they feel like they aren't making progress. I just encourage anyone to just never, ever give up, keep trying. And while you're doing it, Make sure that you are taking the time out for, for things that are fun and things that feel good and enjoy your life along the way. That was like the secret that I didn't know. It's like I felt like I couldn't enjoy my life if I was pursuing a diagnosis because that's so stressful. Um, but I've, I finally realized that you can and you kind of have to. I felt like I had yeah. to do one or the other, but I've realized that for me, the answer is doing both. You have to prioritize the good stuff and make room for the work to get yourself better. That's how I see it. Absolutely. Okay, Annie, this has been so great. I love talking to you. I have one last question for you. Um, sure. So if you were to address somebody who maybe just went through an accident and, and is healed and is having pain that they can't explain is kind of coming to the conclusion that they have CRPS, right in the midst of that fear and anxiety, as someone who's lived through it, is there anything you can say to that person that you think might be helpful? 
just don't, oh man, what could be helpful? Um, probably the same thing my therapist said, don't look at Google. Don't believe everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't believe everything you hear and see. Um, really it's just it's stay hopeful and stay positive. That's really the biggest thing. Um, don't just don't let, don't let fear take over. Um, you know, just that's, that's, that's the main thing. And I really think that's once I got, at least once I got over the fear of it, I think that's when things really started to take a turn for the better. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been great talking to you. It really has. Um, thank you so much for having me. I, and thank you for doing all you do. It's awesome. It's my pleasure. I'm so glad you came on the show. It's been an absolute blast. Please tell our audience where they can go to find your music or anything else you'd like to share. Um, so yeah, it's like, so basically I am super grateful. Like no one would ever say, wow, you know, I hope I get CRPS, you know, have an accident, have CRPS. It's going to totally upend my life. Right. Um, but I am happy that it happened. Um, you know, it, it, it helped me to, you know, rediscover a passion of mine all over again. And I hope to be a voice for all of those hurting, um, and for their families and friends. Um, you can find my music on Spotify, Apple music, all the things. I actually have Christmas song on country radio right now. Um, and, uh, that's called King of Christmas. I've got falling into Nashville, which is the one that's all about my journey. Um, so check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Annie, thank you again. You did such a fantastic job. Thank you for being so open and willing to share and just for being so fun to talk to. I've absolutely loved this conversation. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, oh, I didn't even give everybody my artist name. I don't know. You'll probably have it on your thing. It's Annie Vander. Uh, Annie Vander. G-A-N-D-E-R, That's very important. So. Absolutely. And yeah, I'll definitely yeah, share that in the yeah, beginning as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, this is Annie Vander. You can find me on all streaming platforms. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. The most important part. Yeah. Check out my music, but you don't get to know my name. <laughs> so Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again. And uh, it's perfect timing. We literally just pulled up to the airport and I'm going to go track another couple songs this weekend. And uh, I can't wait to share them with all of you. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I wish you all the best with your with your musical career, I'm so glad that you that you fell into that. I think that that's a beautiful story. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And good luck with your journey as well. And wishing you comfort with all that. That's You'll get there. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine, from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. 
Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.